0: You are listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast, a podcast spin-off of the popular review website the lesbianreview.com. I'm Sheena and I've been joined today by Anna. Anna is one of the newest reviewers on the site, and today we are talking about books that we want as movies. A subject that's near and dear to Anna's heart. You see, I choose a topic based on the interests of my guests, whether or not we have covered them before in the show, and whether or not I have suggestions that I feel can do this list justice. So, Anna, why did you want this particular topic?
1: Well, I like this particular topic because, A, I work in L.A., I work in post-sound editorials, so I get to see a lot of film and television topics come through my line of work. And honestly, as much as much better as we are getting about getting lesbian representation, I don't see it as a focal point where it's like the lesbian characters usually put off to the side. as like a secondary character. Very rarely is it the primary character, and when it is, we fall into that... Kill your gaze trope a lot nowadays as well so i started reading a lot of books because i was tired of scrounging around trying to find decent visual material for films that showed me this positive representation and once i started reading i actually found a lot of books that i was like oh hey that would make a cool movie or that would make a cool series and so that's why i came up with this list because i really thought you know hey if I can't do it because I don't have the power to do it, but I know a lot of people and maybe if they hear this podcast, they'll be like, Hey, she's got a bright idea. Let's do this. You know, what were those books again, you know,
0: and everything like that. So I think it's a great yeah. idea. And uh, yeah. we're, we're either killed off. We're never mm-hmm. really main characters, but if we are main characters, we tend to be bad guys. Like yes, or the, the messed up people like uh, monster, for example.
1: Right. Yeah. I actually um, when I was in grad school, I did a history of cinema class and I actually did a paper that showcased how, you know, when the Hays Code was in effect back in the early like 19th or 19th century, early 20th century, when films were being made, they had to villainize homosexuals to actually keep them in the films. Otherwise, we would have lost representation altogether once the Hays Code came down. And unfortunately we're still while the haze Code rules and regulations have been kind of thrown out the window. We still abide by the rules of it either consciously or unconsciously when we are dealing with homosexual representation in films today. So I like the idea of doing it away with it period Mm. and trying to show people, Hey, we're not bad guys. We're actually very normal people who just love, you know, people of our same sex. And we want to have a normal life like everybody else Fa- family, friends, fun, you know. Why aren't we allowed to have that?
0: So. Absolutely. And the more we can see positive representation in media, the easier it will be for young LGBT people to come out and to be okay exactly. with themselves. I mean, I think yes, media plays forward. such a huge role in, in just self-acceptance. Uh, when I was coming out, I had a hell of a struggle. And my family's not even particularly not accepting or anything. It's just that I didn't see myself represented. And the only representation I did see was of a negative kind. I didn't want to be that strange woman down the block who was, you know, having an affair. I, I, I wanted to be the, the good guy. I wanted to be the hero of the story, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. I grew up in Arkansas, which is about as Southern as you can get in the United States. And it was the same deal. I had family members that were actually very supportive of me. But when going to school and, you know, hanging out with my friends, I knew gay men a lot because it seemed to be okay, socially acceptable for them. But it wasn't necessarily socially acceptable for me. So I kind of hid it. and. It didn't necessarily get me into trouble, but it made me very confused about my feelings for a long time and confusing it with, you know, okay, a girl likes me, but she only likes me as a friend, but I would try to see it as something more. And I think if I had that representation to go to, I think it would have definitely helped me a lot more. in. Not necessarily the coming out process, but more acceptance of myself early on in my life.
0: Absolutely, and the, so. the more we can accept ourselves, the less other we feel, and the less other others treat us, because we yes, we're accepting exactly. of ourselves. Yeah. So it's a whole right. thing. So I think this is a great topic, and actually one that's that's kind of close to my heart too. It's a difficult topic though, because not every book can successfully be transformed into a film.
1: Right. I. I, I mean, I have a visual mind anyway, and I, granted, I will give you every book I read, I don't always be like, oh, this would make a cool movie, you know, we should do it. it. It definitely has to speak to me on all levels. It's like, is it a good story? Are the characters, you know, have enough depth to them? Do their, you know, surroundings, like the people in the secondary characters, the, pe- the places they're going, are they all descriptive enough that if you put this in a film, people would get it totally right away? So yeah, I'm totally
0: with you on that one. Okay, so how this podcast works is I'm going to talk about my first selection, and then I'm going to read the synopsis from the book, and we're going to chat a little bit about it. Then Anna will discuss her choice, and we'll alternate until we have gone through the entire list. All the books we chat about today are in the show notes, including buy links. You can support us by using our links to buy our books, because when you do that, we get a couple of cents from Amazon. All right, Anna, before we get into the actual list, which is very exciting, mm-hmm. I want to talk about just a couple of things that I wanted to look at when I was choosing books. So I wanted something with a visual appeal, so something that immediately the storyline, the setting, whatever it was, something that grabs me visually. Because film is a very visual medium, and, and unless you've got something pretty on screen, it can become quite dark.
1: I totally agree with you on that. I mean, as a sound person, some people would say I disagree with that, but I understand that sound supports the visual instead of, you know, overpowering it. So I I totally understand that. Definitely. That's kind of where I went with this too.
0: It makes uh, complete sense. Then I wanted a storyline that wasn't too internal. I know you can do internal films, but it's rare that you manage one well.
1: Yes. Internal films kind of fall into the independent categories for films for me, and it's definitely one of those, if you're not making sense, if you're not able to make sense on the screen, the audience isn't going to get it, and it's just going to not do well at all.
0: So. Absolutely. An exception to this was something like The Girl with a Pull Earring, which was a great film, but so tough to make, so I, I, right. I wouldn't want to put any lesvic through that, so right. I wanted yeah. something <laughs> Something external with action happening. I wanted action. Yeah. I wanted to see things happening on screen. Okay. Right. And I wanted one that was relatively easy to adapt. So something that wasn't such a big story that you can't turn it into a film. Because some what happens with books is there's a lot of story happening in those, you know, 80,000 words, 60,000 words, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And to be able to squish that into an hour and a half, not so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: that's the beauty of, you know, editing at the end when picture editors get in there. It's like, yeah, we may shoot the whole book, but we're going to cut some scenes out that aren't really moving (laughs) the story along the way we want it to. So when you have a great picture editor, you can do, you can like cut out a few things. So it's
0: great. (laughs) Absolutely. But having said that, I wanted something, you know, I'm approaching this from the point of view of lesbian films are not going to get the highest budget, so they're not going to be able to, to spend forever on it. So let's do something that's easily adapted. Alright, so my my first pick was Is Lethal Affairs by Kim Baldwin. And please forgive me if I butcher your name. Xenia Alexia. It's the Elite Operatives Book One. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's I think she's Greek. <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking your word for it. Here we go. <laughs> so so this one is fantastic. Kim Baldwin does does kind of action y romances and I just adore it. And I've been actually listening to her books steadily on audiobook and they are brilliant audiobooks because it's a similar process to film being able to to read a book and sort of process the story to being able to create a movie, right? Right. So this one it's it's full of action, it's got spies, it's got it's literally got a spy school. Oh, cool. How I mean, it's completely cool. This is the synopsis. Elite operative, Domino is no stranger to peril and impossible situations. Trained all her life to be just as comfortable fighting terrorists as mixing with the gala crowd, she is proficient at playing any role necessary to accomplish her objectives and believes the cause sanctifies the means. But her latest assignment is to investigate journalist Haley Ward, and it will test more than her skills, ingenuity and courage, because this time she faces the ultimate dilemma, a choice between loyalty and love. So there's explosions in this one. There's who's the bad guy, really. It's just totally fun. Yeah. And I would absolutely recommend this. And it's also nice because it's the first book in a series. So you can go on to to make a series of films.
1: There you go. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anything that get, allows you to make a series, like to be able to make a franchise out of something and get that great like positive viewing of women and not only just lesbians, but women in a cool position where they're like kicking ass and taking names. And I mean, I I know a lot of people kind of gave Atomic Blonde a lot of flack, but I loved it. I thought it was amazing just to watch Charlize Theron kick some ass. And yeah, she got into a uh, lesbian relationship and the girl died, but that's the spy game. That's how it works. So, but I, I totally see where you're going with this and that's awesome. Well, I guess I will give you my first one as well.
0: Yes, but before Uh you do, tell me what criteria did, did you look at? I
1: looked at, you know, also kind of the visually stunning is like, will this be visually engaging for the audience at hand? Even if it's just like, there's a couple in here that may not be overly complex in their story design and everything, but if they tell a good story, Like if it's something that's just so engaging that you're like, I don't care if I don't see like vast landscapes and everything like that. If the story's good and it's keeping me engaged, that's what I like to see. It's like, so I do have a couple of basically conversation stories in here where it's like, you know, you're focusing on the dialogue, which I still feel is important because, you know, one thing we definitely like to do as women is talk a lot. <laughs> and so it's great to see the broader aspect of like these women being together and doing stuff and solving crimes and making new lives for themselves but it's also nice to see the intimate stuff between them that really drives what their relationship is built on so that's why what what, what what a lot of my criteria was when i nice chose
0: these books and everything. well if you look at a film like bound Band's budget was relatively small. It was oh, yeah. a, a, a small shoot. It was just a great story with, you know, great dialogue. And, yeah, and, just and it, fin-
1: it pretty much took place in one apartment the entire time. And it's like Or one apartment building the entire time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not like it needs to be, like, overly grand or anything. And it, I guess it all depends on what the story is you're looking for. It's like if you're looking for an action story, like a spy story, like you just mentioned, yes, you're expecting to see explosions and who's the bad guy, you know, mystery and solving all that. But if you're just having two women trying to figure each other out, you want something a little bit more intimate and it could be like in a house or it could be in an apartment or like even sitting out by a lake or something like that. They're just, absolutely. Totally. That's totally what it is. So,
0: Okay. So what's your first pick?
1: My first pick is kind of along the same lines. It's a actual suspense. And it's, it's the first in the series, well, technically there's only two in the series, but I'm pushing for her to make another one because she said she would. It's called The Killing Ground by Sid Parker. And this was actually the second book by Parker I ever read. And I was just like, oh my God, she totally needs to finish this series. So basically the synopsis is this, a serial killer is targeting pregnant women in Chicago. The latest victim is the wife of the FBI director and it prompts a joint task force between the Chicago PD and the FBI. Detective Rebecca Fox represents the Chicago PD side, but she resents the intrusion as well as the personal attention of one FBI agent, Jordan Gray. With no breaks in the case, the two women must work together and share information, but Rebecca will be damned if she'll share anything more than professional help with Jordan this was great because i haven't seen a good or what or read a good suspense thriller type movie and i love those since like back in the 90s i mean they're kind of hard to come by and actually i'm looking forward to the snowman when it comes out because i'm like that's a good one but this grabs you right off the bat because she starts you off right away with an attack and it's on the the wife of the fbi director and the fbi director is a lesbian which i loved because it shows there's a woman In this position and she is a lesbian and it's like there's great representation for women all over this plus you're in Chicago which is very you know rich in it's like decor and scenery and everything so you really get the feel of this is a scary type you know case that's happening around them so you have this great backdrop for the seediness of Chicago as well as you know there is a great twist to it that I honestly didn't see coming and I'm usually pretty good at picking those out and then I saw who the killer was I was like holy crap you know and everything I don't know if I can cuss on this but that's <laughs> that was basically my thought Parker has always been good to me about the slow burn romance you see the attraction immediately between the Rebecca and Jordan but she stretches it like to at least almost halfway through the book and when it does happen you're just like oh thank god you know <laughs> you're finally happy to see it happen and then it's like but it gets kind of you know screwed up because they're like oh we got the guy oh wait it's not the right guy and everything so it's it definitely has a lot of those pieces of good filmmaking you got a great backdrop you got great characters you got strong female leads and you got great dialogue between not only Rebecca and Jordan, but everybody around them, the, their confidants, the people that they trust, their Jordan's partner as well. And it's just amazing to read. I mean, I, I only stretched it out over a week because I made myself stretch it out over a week. <laughs> Cause I was just like, I got work, I got to do other things and everything. But, but this is definitely one that you, you could sit down and really get sucked into it, And I would love to see this put
0: on the big screen, totally. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like my kind of thing, hey? Okay, so my second book is Five Moons Rising by Lise McTagg. Have you have you read this one?
1: I, it's on my list. I swear it's on my
0: list. <laughs> this this one's a supernatural romance. Unknown to regular citizens, nightmarish creatures lurk in the dark underbelly of human civilization. The presence of these supernormals, supers. Werewolves, Vampires and Demons is a closely guarded government secret, as is the existence of a cadre of specially engineered hunters charged with exterminating them. Codenamed Malice, Hunter Mary Alice Nolan was genetically modified and rigorously trained to use her great strength, heightened senses and killer instincts to track and eliminate supras who prey on the innocent. A loner by choice, her only real link to the human world is the close connection to her mother and sister until the unthinkable happens. Ruri Sampson has been a werewolf for more than a century and is comfortably situated as the beta of her peaceful pack, until she is betrayed by the woman she loves and an evil outsider massacres her alpha and his most loyal followers. Barely escaping with her life, Ruri is forced to tread the perilous path of a lone wolf while vowing vengeance against the usurper and his minions. Although these two powerful women should rightfully despise each other, fate will soon compel them to join forces on a dangerous quest to avenge their loved ones and will ignite a forbidden passion that neither of them ever imagined. Okay, so this one would have to be a little bit of a Hollywood blockbuster just because it's going to require a lot of special effects, but...
1: Yeah, the budget went on that would kind of explode because of that alone, just from what you're saying.
0: It would, but, but the way I would stand in queues for days to get tickets to see this film... Because this is that one of those. Yeah. It's one of those books that has me entirely captivated, and super tempted to to fly across there, just chain leads to her computer so she can write the next one already.
1: I think I've seen that threat to her a few times on Twitter. It's like, are you writing? Are you writing? Are you writing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I actually asked her the other day on Skype. <laughs> Dollar. <laughs> You're not the only one that hands down your favorite authors and, like, harasses them. Yeah,
1: I do. I I try to be more, like, you know, diplomatic about it. Like, hey, when's the next one coming out? And then I'm like, oh, it's coming. And I'm like, that's not good enough. I need an an exact time frame, you know, please. (laughs) Yep. But, yeah, I totally get that. No, and I could see that, you know. It's like my sci-fi, you know, fantasy pick was along the same lines but i think in the one that i chose the budgets could get a little out of hand but not so much do you want me to talk about it right now or do you want to talk more about
0: no no you can go ahead
1: okay for my sci-fi i picked true nature by jay which is the second one in the nature series that she has um i like the first one but i feel like the second one could actually reach a broader audience just uh, outside of like the sci-fi fantasy geeks like me, because it does have a very well-rounded story that centers on family is more than just blood. And so that's what I thought was very appealing about it. And again, it, it takes you from like North Carolina up to New York. And it's like, well, you know, there is shifting. It's not as bad as like, you know, kind of reminds me of True Blood. And it's like description of the shifts and everything. It's like, they're very minimal and they use like smaller, minimal characteristics, like the eyes or growls or stuff like that to really highlight what it is but i'll give a synopsis of this real quick yeah. basically the synopsis is kelsey a wolf shifter has fallen from grace after her pack attack jory a seer for the rossa community as pennant she is part of the detail that guards jury and her part jory sorry and her partner griffin a liger shifter 24 7. When Jory has a vision of a teenage wolf being attacked by humans, she believes that Kelsey is the right person for the job and sends her on the case. On this mission, Kelsey discovers, Danny is a deaf teenage wolf shifter who has been adopted by a human family. Danny has no clue as to what he is. And before Kelsey can explain it to him, he runs off to New York. With the help of Danny's adoptive mother, Rue, Kelsey must search the underside of New York City and find Danny before the humans from Jory's vision are able to carry out this devious intentions against him. And most importantly, before Danny makes his first shift into a wolf form. It's a race against time because, you know, they have to find this kid and they have to, you know, explain to him, try to explain him what he is before it actually happens. And I love the interaction between Kelsey and Rue because As in all Jay's books, there is an attraction between the two, but it's actually forbidden because Kelsey is, you know, the shapeshifter, part of this community, and Rue is human. But, you know, with the intensity of the search and trying to find Danny and make sure he's okay, you know, things just kind of happen, and Kelsey is starting to wonder, you know, is really the rules of the Rasa really need to be followed because she actually cares for this woman, even though she is human. So. There's just a lot of great elements to it that I feel are very essential to not only telling a great story, but also engaging people outside of what people would look at this as like, Oh, it's a sci-fi fantasy. I'm not interested in that. But it's like, no, 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 there's actually more to this. It's like, yes, there is, you know, the shape-shifting element, but they live in this world and they actually hide among humans. So the shape-shifting doesn't happen unless it's absolutely necessary. And you really get a good sense of what the core of this story is, which is about family and what it means to be a family, whether you're Rasa or human or something in between. And that's what I think would make this a really good flick for people to come and see.
0: Nice. This series has been on my radar for a while. I just haven't gotten around to it. But yeah, it sounds fab. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like the
1: first one. I like Second Nature. I liked how it introduced the in society and everything. And But that one was definitely geared more towards, in my belief, like the hardcore sci-fi people who are just like, oh, this is a cool new world. These are cool new characters. This is what they do. This is what this means. This is, these are the rules and blah, blah, blah. And this one actually allows, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm not a big fan of sci-fi, but I am a big fan of like family stories. So this could be that as well.
0: Awesome. Now we're going to shift gears away from the the shifters. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we're going to join the pirates. Oh, pirates now. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: want to go on Pirates of the Caribbean now. Thank you for
0: that. So my, my third pick is the Sublime and Spirited Voyages of Original Sin. I hummed in hard about which pirate book I was going to choose and decided on this one because it's actually just hilarious. So it's, it's kind of a, a sweet rom-com really
1: oh nice
0: (laughs) just set on a pirate ship (laughs) pretty much you know and it's just it's adorable it's it's hilarious and it's just funny and the 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 humor is is easily accessible but smart enough to not just be sort of dick and fart jokes and mm, i could actually see this being a very very cute film oh cool this is the the blurb the gulf of mexico 1702 When pirates of the square-rigger Original Sin steal ashore to abduct a doctor to tend to their wounded, they end up settling for the doctor's attractive fiancée, Celia, the town seamstress. Together with Gale, daughter of the wounded pirate captain, Madman Malvern, Celia becomes a reluctant participant in an unexpectedly thrilling journey through the Caribbean. For Gale, Celia's presence is at first a welcome and shapely distraction, but as her attraction to the seamstress deepens, she realizes that Celia comes to mean more to her than is almost certainly prudent. As Celia and Gail navigate the perilous territories of gypsies, prostitutes, mercenaries, and slave traders, they forge a partnership born of necessity that Gail soon hopes will veer away from insurmountable danger and instead detour directly to her bed. Nice. <laughs> and there's there's just adorable elements to this, like at one point they're in port, and they go see a gypsy, and a gypsy tells them a little fortune. And just those kind of elements you can really see as being such a beautiful part of the film.
1: I haven't gotten too much into the pirate genre yet. I mean, I just recently started being like, ooh, westerns are fun. And I started reading those a lot more. So I'm, I'm slowly making my way into the pirate area a little bit more. I'm getting there. Because so, <laughs> I do see some, and i like, hmm, that seems like a good story. And I just put it on my wish list, so it's, it's slowly but surely getting there.
0: Well, this one was a, was a book club pick, so Tara introduced me to it, and I was like, wow, this is a really long and convoluted name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then I pretty much read the first, like, two pages, and I was entirely hooked, and then I, I stopped working and sat and read for the rest of the day, and that was the end of that. I was just like, this book is adorable, so...
1: Oh, I love those kinds of books where you're just like, you're supposed to be working, and you keep looking over at it, and you're just like, I'm trying to work, and you look over at it, and that's me
0: sometimes. It's like, why do I have to work, you know? I want to read. Right? Why <laughs> no, can't we totally... just get paid to read books every day? Like, that would be the best. I know,
1: right? I totally understand that. <laughs> so much, life would be so much better, and I would get so rich for doing that, you know? That? Right? <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Well, my pick for around this time frame is uh, called Kicker's Journey. And I'm probably gonna butcher the heck out of this name, but it's by Lois Clorick Hart. I think I said that right. I'm gonna go with yes, I said that right. This was actually the first book I ever read from her. And as soon as I read it, I was just like, I have to find out what other stuff she has done. So um, this might end up on another list, like at the end of the year, just letting you know and everything mysterious um, (laughs) yeah i know right it's like boom what's going on there uh the basically the synopsis is uh the story follows kicker stewart and her journey from the english countryside as a stable boy at a posh you know england prep school all the way to the canadian wilderness where she actually becomes kind of a pillar of the community with her lover and partner madeline bristow madeline is a school teacher at the school that Kicker was started working at and basically Madeline's desire is to flee the confines of her rigid upbringing and the freedom, she wants the freedom to love who she wants that will get. And so basically she's like, we got to go to Canada because she had a friend of hers move there and she's like, they say it's great. You know, we got to go there and we can be free and love openly and everything. And it's like, you know, it's Madeline's impulsiveness that actually gets them there. But it will be Kicker's strong will and stability that will allow them to build a life and foundation together, is what they want. Um, I love how she describes England in this. And I love how she describes the wilderness of Canada. Because this is like turn of the century, you know, Canada and England. So a lot of things have not been developed yet. There's no cell phones. I don't even think there's like barely a train service, you know, and everything. So there's really not a lot to go on. But it's it kind of a lot of ways reminded me of watching when i watched uh tipping the bell the first time like it's like you have kind of a part one of the journey and a part two of the journey where it's like part one they're in england they're falling in love they're making this grand plan to escape you know um madeline's father and they're like everything society deems inappropriate and everything and then part two is when they get to canada And Madeline starts slowly realizing it's not the big dream that she thought it was, but Kicker's like, we have to stay. If this is what we want to do, we have to stay. So Kicker becomes more of the voice of reason there. I love the fact that her name is Kicker. And I love how she got that name. I'm not going to spoil that. I'm going to tell people, read the book. You'll find out how she got the name. Um, But it's just, it has that, you know, broad look of, you know, great scenery great landscape that you can get like great like full panoramic shots of and you know if they had the budget they could do 70 millimeter i'm not saying they have to but it would look great in 70 millimeter and it just it it kind of has that you know no matter where you go you're still dealing with the things of the times like um you have your specific society roles you have your class oppression because kicker's more of the lower class madeline's more of the upper class and you got them to kind of trying to mesh but also they're you know conflicting no matter what happens and no matter where they go and i just think it's a great story to show their journey not only to get to canada and start making a life but their journey back to each other when things start kind of unraveling and not going as planned and i love that i love this story for that reason so canada also has decent budgets so they could shoot up there pretty cheaply (laughs) <laughs> just throwing that in there
0: <laughs> just in case you were wondering
1: <laughs> yeah in case anybody is listening to this um, I know I had a few friends inquire about this podcast this is what I'm telling you right now <laughs> so I actually when I read this book I actually sent it to a few people I knew in the industry I was like you need to read this and then tell me what you think <laughs> I never heard back from them but I'm not surprised so <laughs> it was just like whatever but I, I have a feeling this could really make a great story and look really good on either the big screen or the small screen. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if BBC could get a hold of it too and just be like, "Oh, this would be awesome," you know. That's
0: true, actually. It's true. <laughs> yeah, why not? Eh?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Because so. I mean, they did some really nice things with uh, Tipping the Velvet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna stop there. I didn't like the other ones. So.
1: Yeah, um, I think the I think I watched fingersmith from them and i was like yeah okay you know i i feel like could have done yeah
0: have you read the book
1: i have not read the book but i hear the book is
0: definitely better the book is amazing and they just kind of killed it and what they did with uh, tipping the velvet and i'm gonna get lynched for this but i actually think that they made tipping the velvet better uh transferring it across but right. to, but to be fair i actually watched it before i read it so it could just be that
1: yeah i usually find if i watch it before i read it i tend to lean more towards what i watched and i I don't mean that to say that the book is bad. I think it's just because you, you had that visual in your head. Mm. But by the time you read it, that you're stuck with that visual and that's what you're used to and that's what you want to see when you're reading it as well. And if something gets added or changed or anything like that, once you finally read it, you're just like, wait, this kind of throws me off a little bit.
0: Absolutely. All right. So my fourth pick is Devil's Rock by Jerry Hill. This is another Ooh. one. <laughs> I love that one love that book yeah this is another one that I listened to on audiobook and it was just superb great narration and brilliant story it's the story of two women who are trying to stop a serial killer but it's not the they're not the direct investigators what they're doing they're almost like a support team behind the scenes right yeah I thought that was fascinating so it's not just like they're not actually doing the investigating per se. The one is using a computerized system to try and locate where the next bodies are likely to be dumped. And the other one is, a, you know, local. I think she's in the sheriff's department, like a deputy sheriff or something.
1: Yeah, isn't it like they find a body by accident or something like that? And then, you know, they end up being like, oh, well, we got to try and calculate where the next body is going to be. And they end up getting closer because of that and they accidentally stumble upon, you know, they it's like the system worked and it's like oh hey there's a serial pill right there you know that type of thing
0: yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. you know and but but there's there's some romance going on it mm-hmm. sounds beautiful like the descriptions of the desert. oh yeah she does a great job mm-hmm. i mean it's just great visually the one is an fbi agent the other one's a cop and and it's always fun when the two pair up mm-hmm. and i just loved everything about the story it was entirely original unique And the chemistry between the women was was amazing. The dialogue was fantastic. The events were interesting enough to keep me going. So I think that this will definitely make a really good film.
1: Totally. And it's like, I think it takes place in like Arizona area, right? So if you got a lot of red rock around there, that would look beautiful on screen. I always love going to that area when I can.
0: It says Sedona. I don't know where that is
1: yeah that's arizona that's totally arizona. That's actually where a lot of people go to see ufos
0: so. oh really <laughs> yeah totally okay so i'm gonna just quickly read the synopsis just so that okay um, right ahead. my ramblings make a little bit more sense two women vowed to bring a killer to justice deputy andrea sullivan had hoped to leave her the horrors of los angeles behind her but the serial murders of college students in peaceful picturesque sedona are her nightmare case to solve The complexities stretch local resources to the limit, and the FBI joins the case with Agent Cameron Ross in the lead. Well, that's not entirely true, actually. The crime scenes are covered with the trademark signs of the fiendish Patrick Doe, whose handiwork has been investigated by Dallas detective Tori Hunter and others. But where Hunter failed, Cameron intends to win. She will break the case, find justice, and go home. No distractions unfortunately deputy sullivan is very distracting and patrick doe has other plans of course (laughs) and this was just a fantastic audio book so go listen to it since you know it's not a movie yet but we can always hope yeah totally oh
1: man yeah i need to go reread that one i haven't read it in a while but i do remember enjoying that and the sequel to it as well i did enjoy that one
0: i've got that i think on audiobook i haven't listened yet
1: one thing I just love about you know um, Jerry Hill's writing, anyway, when she does novels like this, she's not afraid to shy away from like the the gritty stuff. Like I know some of her stories, especially when they involve suspense and you know mystery, there there are a couple of rape scenes. She doesn't get descriptive with it. She just says you pretty much implies that this is what happened, and I and I give her credit for not you know totally shying away from. Somebody getting in that situation is like, you know what it's about to happen. And then usually when people shy away from it, they're like, oh, good guys burst in just in time. Well, that's not always the case in this. And I actually find that to be a little bit more realistic in her writing. So it's like, I think it does help. I mean, yes, it's tough to read sometimes. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that the person who's doing it, something's going to happen to them. So she does give, you know, karma's a bitch. That's basically what I gained from that. It's like, she's going to write this, but then the bad guy is going to have something bad happen to him. So it's going to, it's all going to work out in the end with that and everything.
0: I love Jerry Hill's writing and I love kind of horror type stories as well. Right. Yeah. And in fact, I, I beg her for more horror stories whenever I can, because I just love. Yeah.
1: I remember Keepers of the Cave, Weeping Walls. Um, I thought those would make great movies as well, you know. Absolutely. Totally. It's like, that'd be a good Halloween one, people. Come on. No, (laughs) we're picking these up. We're here. We're telling you these. Come on.
0: (laughs) Totally. And I almost picked those, but then I decided that I liked this one. It's tough to choose the top 10 list. It really is.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it was hard for me just to choose five to talk about today of the top 10. I was like, which ones do I want to do? So, um but um my next one is actually more of a comedy and so get getting on the little lighter side and it's called bridesmaid of honor by Grayson morgan um this did not start out as a series but it ended up being a series and for those of you who are like damn all these series i'm sorry right now but it wasn't my fault these are just great books great reads and i think they would make great movies that's my opinion but the um (laughs) Here is the synopsis of this one. Britain Prescott's best friend, is getting married, and she's the maid of honor. What her best friend failed to mention was the fact that her cousin Daphne was going to be a bridesmaid, the same cousin that has been Britain's nemesis since they were in high school. As if that isn't enough to deal with, Britain's sister announces she's getting married in the same month, and her maid of honor is none other than her best friend Daphne, the same woman that has tormented her sister for years. Britton has to suck it up and play nice instead of scratching her eyes out because she and Daphne are in both weddings. Everyone is counting on Britton and Daphne to behave like adults and put the past behind them. No one expects to find them wrapped in each other's arms in the most inopportune time. (laughs) I read the synopsis like I have to read this because this just sounds fun. In so many ways. And I was not disappointed. I mean, this is what I still go to every now and then. Because I was like, I need to pick me up. I need to read something funny. This is what I'm going to go to. And um, basically, it's it's a good friend, good enemies to friends story. Friends with benefits in a lot of ways. And there's just, this is one of those, you know, it's not like, you know, sweeping landscapes. I think it takes place in Rhode Island, of all places. Which, I don't know much about Rhode Island, but I know it's not very big. That's about all I know and but it's definitely one of those there's a lot of great dialogue they have a lot of great banter back and forth even when they actually start seeing each other you know they're they're just getting to know each other on that different level and it's great to just see this progression through their talks and through the people that are witnessing you know these changes in them but they're not really certain what's going on until the end when it's finally revealed oh they're actually seeing each other <laughs> And then it's like, everybody starts being like, Oh, when's the wedding? And they're like, no, 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 no. We're not talking about that right now, but this is just a good little feel good. You know, let's watch and see what happens to these two people that we have grown to like and watch what, watch what they get into and try to get out of and how they, you know, sneak around and how they play off certain things. And it's just fun. It's just totally fun. For that so this because...
0: is, this is a rom-com. Yes.
1: Totally a rom-com. Nice. Yeah. Which
0: is actually funny, you know, you and I have a very similar kind of selection in terms of the, the different themes that we decided to choose, which is actually very funny because I wasn't even looking at your list until now. And <laughs> you didn't know what I was going to pick. And so I guess it's just it's film people stuff. We just naturally gravitate yeah, to totally. certain.
1: I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I do have my certain, you know styles that I like that I'm like, oh, I must go see that whenever it comes out in movies. But there are certain things that if I see a trailer for, I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. It's usually not my cup of tea, but I think I'll go check it out anyway, you know, because you never know. You might actually find a gem and you're like,
0: oh, okay, that's cool. You know, so. Totally. Yeah. The reason I say this is my last pick is a rom-com <laughs> <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it's All I Want for Christmas by Clay Lydon
1: oh i know that one i know that one i don't think i read it but i know it so because i've seen it's like i I do christmas stuff every year i always like i actually have a um, group on my kindle that says christmas holiday books and everything so i keep looking for new ones to bring in every now and again so yeah oh
0: nice oh but this is my this is my favorite christmas book it's adorable this christmas tori hammond is on a mission to find love her ideal presence under the tree would be a shiny new girlfriend so tori gives herself one month to find that special lady by december the 25th christmas spells romance and she's going to grab some so what this this blurb does not mention is all the hilarious dates and failed attempted romances that she tries in this quest for love and only to turn around and see that love's been there all along (laughs) so it's entirely adorable it's the the dialogue is witty and so sweet and the way Leiden writes about Christmas in London makes me want to go and experience Christmas in London because it just sounds like the most magical amazing thing
1: it is pretty magical I have friends over there and I actually did go and visit them one year for Christmas and granted this was like 10 years ago but it's still it was just so magical to walk around and like in Leicester Square and Waterloo and all those places and see all the lights and all the pomp and circumstance they put up and it was just so beautiful around Mm. so yes if you get a chance go experience that and everything
0: (laughs) and if you can't then read this book because it'll take you there you go
1: totally (laughs) this is a good way to get it up on the screen people a good this would be a good lifetime holiday movie type thing
0: exactly yeah exactly it's like imagine me and you but around christmas and you know with no husband so, <laughs> yeah,
1: no husband involved there. Yeah, let's not let's not get that going. Right? <laughs> oh my god. I do love that movie though. That was a cute little movie. I will say that.
0: Definitely. Um, All right. So, what are we ending your list off with?
1: We are ending my list off with Don't Call Me Hero. This is just such a good story and it's such my favorite book from her aside from Winter Jacket that I was just like I get so excited with So the synopsis of this is It's been over a year since Cassidy Miller retired from the United States Marine Corps, but tried telling that to her nightmares. She knew that coming back after eight years in a war zone wouldn't be easy, but she eh, she underestimated the real difficulties of transitioning back to civilian life. War is hell, but the aftermath is endless. Looking for a fresh start, she's left her friends and career in Minneapolis to be a police officer in northern Minnesota. It's in the tiny town of Embarrass where she learns more about Julia Desjardins. I hope I'm saying that name right, because that's how it sounds in my head. The city prosecutor is cool, professional, and untouchable. But she and Cassidy have history, and Cassidy isn't going to let her forget that. For all their surface differences, Cassidy and Julia have more in common than they first realized. Both are reluctant to hand over their past to be judged and studied but it might take someone just as damaged as the other to help each other cope with the skeletons in their respective closets. I just personally love the story. Linsky is just really good at dialogue, like really good dialogue pieces, no matter what she's writing. And this is one of those pieces where I was like, you don't need the broad landscapes, the big, you know, showy scenes. This is about two people learning how to not necessarily not be damaged but how to be less damaged and be together and I wrote a review of this already and I basically said to move past survival and get back to living is what I kind of characterized it at and I still feel like this is great they have great conversations between each other where they because they're both in law enforcement, they keep running into each other all the time at the courthouse and embarrassed. I don't know if that's a real town or not. I kind of want to look it up and see just because that's just an interesting name. Um, but they just really break down each other's barriers in a lot of ways. And it's just fun to watch and it's fun to just hear this smart dialogue that's going between them. And there is a little bit of a case that they have to solve together. and. It's just great to just go from very big with some of the stuff that we both have listed to something that's just very intimate and very, you know, detailed to these characters and just seeing them develop into something better than what they are when they first started out. And I love stories like this. These, these are just those great little stories like that.
0: So. Absolutely. And they tend to be the stories that will touch your heart more than the big actions. And, exactly. And...
1: Exactly. I mean, the, I, I like big action movies and I love, <laughs> it's like, I, I got a guilty pleasure with the disaster movies because I know I can go in them sometimes and just turn off my brain because it's like, I'm looking for fun. This is one I go see for fun. And, but it's like, these are the ones that I really like. I'm like, oh, I'm actually in the mood to think about, you know, stuff and see where this goes. Let's go and see this
0: one. Fabulous. Anna, that was a fantastic list. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm going to go get coffee soon. So
1: I'll be so much better after today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into the Lesbian Review Podcast. I'm Sheena and I've been joined today by Anna. You can read our book and movie reviews on the lesbianreview.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to be part of the conversation, then come join us on our Facebook group, the Lesbian Talk Show chat group. Before you go, I have an urgent announcement. I need you to rate this podcast on iTunes because the more ratings we have, the more listeners will be able to find us. That's all for now. Bye. Bye.
1: (laughs) Check, check. One, two. We are ending my list off with Don't Call Me Hero. Yes, I got the title right this
0: time. Is it terrible? I haven't watched Atomic Blonde yet. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well. Sorry, I spoiled that for that, you. That, that, that's okay. That's okay. I, I went to watch it, but they they released it really short, like for like oh, a yeah. week here, and then it's gone. Yeah, so I'm like, I understand. Totally.
1: Okay. So well, I need to wait for it to. Well, now you know how to, what to expect. So <laughs> <laughs> don't get upset or anything like that. But it, it's really just fun watching her kick some ass. Period.
0: Uh, but you know Charlize yeah. is near and dear to my heart, being a, a, a born and bred South African. In yeah. fact, she comes from the same. Sort of uh, part of uh, Joburg that uh, tomorrow my wife comes from. So. Oh, cool! Awesome.
1: The city prosecutor is cool, professional, and untouchable. Untouchable. Yeah.
0: Untouchable. All right, you may stop recording.
1: Yeah.